Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 512 of the Juicebox Podcast. With the 251st pick in the 2021 MLB Draft, the Tampa Bay Rays have selected Patrick Wicklander. And Patrick's on the show today, just a week and a half after he was drafted. He's pretty excited. And he's going to talk to you today about what it's like to have type 1, some of the family history he has around type 1, playing in school. We'll go through his diagnosis story, talk about being drafted, and a lot more. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician. <clears throat> the word physician just got caught in my throat. I'll try again. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. How about it, Patrick, huh? Getting drafted. Pretty damn cool. Let's hear about it. I'm not going to put any ads on this episode, but I am going to remind you about the advertisers. Here's why I'm doing that. The show is my job, and I'm able to treat it that way because of the advertisers. Just getting Patrick on the show in a timely fashion after he was drafted, before he goes to sign his contract, and all the stuff that has to happen, a lot goes into that. A lot of scheduling and trying and doing things at odd times. And because this podcast is ad-supported, I can make the time for that. I can be available for those things. So I'm squeezing in an extra episode here this week. Um, so I don't really have any ads for it, but it wouldn't exist without the support of Dexcom, Omnipod, Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, Gvoke Hypopen, Touched by Type 1, the relationship I have with the T1D exchange. Every time you guys sign up for the exchange, I get some compensation. That's not really an ad thing. I, they don't buy ads, but there's that. Even all of you who bought me a cup of coffee, you make it possible for me to be available to do this stuff. And so I appreciate you. The advertisers appreciate you. And that's why we've got a conversation today with Patrick. So that's it. There's links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to all of the advertisers. If you need one of those things or you're interested in one of those things that I mentioned, just using my link is a lot of support for the show. I'm Patrick Wicklander, born and raised in San Jose, California. Just finished my junior season at University of Arkansas. A left-handed pitcher, drafted eighth round, 251st pick overall by the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Rays. Is that like the best thing you've ever said out loud? Honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine. I, I, I think our conversation is going to go differently than it goes with a lot of people. So the first thing I'm interested in knowing is how old were you when you started playing baseball? Four or five. Right? Four or five. Four Somewhere five. in that age. Right. I remember um, my son was born in February, and my wife started bothering me the spring that he was three years old. 
she's like, he's got to play baseball. Like, cause we bought him. So we bought this house. Right. And we were, mm. we had to clean up the outside. There's a lot of work to do. And, and he was, you know, two, three years old. We bought him this little plastic tee and a plastic bat and some balls. And we stuck it in the backyard. Like the backyard was like a bomb went off in it. So we were like, here's a safe space. And my wife and I are picking sticks up and we're cleaning things up and trying to get it looking like a, like a yard. And we just notice like three-year-old Cole is just taking the same exact swing over and over again. And the ball is just going like this little plastic <laughs> ball is going like 45 feet into the same spot over and over again. And uh, my wife's like, he might be good at this. So, you know, you go to the little league and they laugh. They're like, you got to be five to play little league baseball. So I think we took him to the YMCA and I was like, come on, let him play. So he played his first game when he was four. <laughs> <laughs> and yesterday I was out on a football field with him while he was throwing and long tossing and everything. So I'm starting to get too old for it. And I got to tell you, Patrick, my pointer finger on my glove hand is bruised it's and it's purple and it hurts. And I don't think he throws nearly as hard as you do. So your dad must have given up a long time ago is what I'm saying. <laughs> no. So my dad, I think when I was like 11 or 12. He goes, I can't play catch with you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I remember, wow. the, I remember the day I knew I shouldn't do it. And I'm still, because we don't live in a baseball Mecca. Like there's, there's no one for him to do it with. Like he's trying to do a thing that other people aren't trying to do and you can't find people to. So I'm out there. So Patrick, I will tell you a secret. I know I've never said on this podcast before when I have a catch with Cole, I've learned because my eyes have changed over time. That's the biggest problem, right? Your hand eye is not bad. It's that your vision goes so the ball sort of disappears on its path a couple of times like you see it then you don't see it then it's back again yeah. and it's way closer the next time you see it um so i don't let anything extraneous bother me i stare in his eyes the entire time we're having a catch and i think in my head every time i see his arm move i think i swear to god i think to myself in my head i go catch the ball catch the ball catch the ball <laughs> it's okay that's me with one of our freshmen last year uh so we have a freshman he's been up to 99.6 so i'm not going to give him credit for 100 yet yeah like a true freshman 18 19 years old i'm playing catch with him and i'm always online at bomb walker and so like behind me i have all these fans i'm like i can't miss a ball or a kid a kid is going to the hospital it's <laughs> <laughs> exactly how i feel i think if i eat this ball first of all he'll never do this with me again and I don't know who else he's got to do it with. And and I am never going to live it down. And plus, it looks like it's really going to hurt. So I just, I just <laughs> think to myself, like, do not for anything. Like, if the world blows up right now, catch the ball first <laughs> is, is how it feels. Um, so, so tell people a little bit. Like, what is your memory of playing baseball as a child? Do you have any? Or how does it feel to you when you look back on it? Gosh, um... I played base. I played so much baseball. Like I look back on it, I have played so much baseball. Uh, best memory I would say was my freshman year going to the World Series. Okay. Um, in 2019, I mean, it was just like the atmosphere, all the like festivities, stuff like that. Just playing in front of that big of a crowd. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. You probably like you and your listeners probably seen what our regional look like when Charlie Welch hit that walk like that go ahead to run Jack against Nebraska. That place was wild. Right. But playing in front of a packed TD Ameritrade in Omaha, Nebraska, there's no better feeling. Yeah. It's interesting what happens to the crowd once people start collecting. So this is not nearly a similar story, but 
my son was playing for like uh, some district title when he was a little kid and something like 500 people showed up to this little field and they had it surrounded. And um, I think he was in left that day and the ball went in the corner and he said he was heading into the corner and there were grown men yelling at him. Don't worry. He's not going. Don't throw it. Don't drop the ball. Like he's like, I was like 12 years old and they were screaming <laughs> in my face, like, let it go. Let it go. He's like, he said, he said he picked the ball up, he made his throw, and he's walking back to his position. He's like, wow, these people are really excited to be here. And he said he thought, more excited than I am, I think. <laughs> but it, it, something about when everybody gets together and then something happens and it just, and then something on that level is just crazy, you know? Uh, the first time I experienced like a huge crowd like that, it was my senior year. We're playing for our, our sectional, I would say, because California doesn't have state mm -hmm. for some reason. And so it was our sectional title, and we're playing at a uh, low A park in my hometown of San Jose, and we're playing like one of our rival high schools, and like the minor uh, the minor league team doesn't even get the stadium filled out. We had this place packed, like there was people standing on the sides. I was like, "Well, this is going to be this is going to be fun." Yeah, everything <laughs> everything is, feels multiplied. Did you have you always pitched, or did you play? I mean, when you're a little kid, you do more than one thing. But when did you? Just so I've always, I've always pitched. I've always been that kid that threw hard, but never really knew where it was going until I was like 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. But up until eighth grade, I actually caught, believe it or not, left-handed catcher. Yeah. Were you um, bigger growing up? Like bigger than the other kids? Not, not like drastically. I was just a little taller, mm -hmm. but weight, like weight structure wise, I was a little bean pole until freshman year of college. Really? Yeah, uh, freshman year of college, I weighed in at one sixty nine. Wow, how hard were you throwing at that point? Uh, I've been up to ninety. I was up to ninety four my freshman year of high school, like senior year of high school at least. Mm. Well, then uh, it like obviously went down because I was getting used to the workouts, the way college worked, um, just like the every doing it every single day. Yeah. Um. But then as everything kind of progressed, I kind of, my velo came back and yeah, now you filled um, out. So yeah. maturity is a big piece of it after that too, right? Maturity is 100% a big deal. I mean, because if I was as good as all these other high school kids coming out of the draft, like me, myself, I was like, I know I'm not good enough. Like I wouldn't pan out in pro ball at high school. Mm. So going to college is probably the best thing I ever did. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you look back at after every, I don't know how other people think about baseball, but it happens in sections. Like once you have enough time in it and you can look back, you can see that everything that you thought was super important when your kids were 10, 11, 12, 50, it was meaningless. You, you know, the best kid you played with when you were 15 is a, is an accountant somewhere now, you know, and actually I could say the best kid when I was 15, that I played with when I was 15, he was the first overall. Pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you played with him, <laughs> then I guess. But you know what I mean. Like usually, a kid who's great when they're fourteen is just kind of great because they're bigger than the other fourteen-year-olds. And then, oh yeah, you know. And then it moves on from there. But the the one piece that's interesting, I would think, for you now to look back on is that even when you're being taken at college, it's still just a flyer. It's a like maybe the Patrick Kittle workout. Well take him maybe this kid will work out and then they throw you back into a bucket again and mix you back up to see who comes out again right is that basically so the way call like the way i i kind of view college is that you kind of have the kids that aren't really like the highly scouted highly recruited like those kids that make their way to campus 
it's like, okay, those kids are going to have a chip on their shoulder. They're there to work. They're going to keep their head down. It's that, and then it's the kids that like, at like that were surprised I made it to campus because they should have made it to like, they should have been drafted. They should have just signed. And those are the kids that are feel like everything's kind of owed to them. Right. So that's, that's what I kind of seen for just from experiences and kind of seeing it all around the country interesting and here and hearing other stories so it's kind of you just kind of get you have to go into college with the right like mindset and attitude mm-hmm. but i've always my dad taught me to just always like keep your head down and work so and being taught that growing up it kind of like it kind of helped me out throughout college i mean i was fortunate enough to start my freshman year in the sec yeah so and that's not something you do like you hear every day no there's and, a lot of kids that show up and they sometimes don't play till their juniors it's yeah yeah and it's a shock <laughs> when it happens to you um, okay. So you're throwing hard, you're coming out of high school, you go to a great, I mean, it's a great baseball school to go to. Were, were there other places that you were, that were talking to you? Like how did it almost go? So I was actually committed to Dallas Baptist, my sophomore of high school fall, like that October I committed. Junior year, the pitching coach left the guy who recruited me. So my talk to my parents were like, okay, we'll see how like wait a year we'll see how it plays out if the programs and everything's not going as you plan like we'll we'll reconsider so okay um junior went by nothing really happened then senior went by i got a call from the pitching coach that recruited me at dbu and i was at arkansas he goes hey how would you like to be a hog like, sold take it thanks sign, sign me up yeah, i'm on my way <laughs> let me just call this dallas baptist place real quick tell them i'm sorry <laughs> but the, the fun uh it was just a, it was a straight it was a strange process because it's like one of those phone calls it's like a breakup you don't like you have like you have to do it over the phone because like i was in california you can't just walk up to the coach and be like hey i'm decommitted yeah yeah it was like yeah. this is going to be such an awkward phone call did you find it that it was or did you find that it, this happens to him and he just was like, all right, good luck. It was kind of, he, he, the coach at DBU tried to keep me, but I was like, Hey, like I can't really, Yeah, it's a big, I just feel it's like a big it's better. Leap. Yeah. It's, it's it was, too big of a leap. Yeah. And then he came, then he came to the conclusion like, okay, if this is what's best for you, good luck. And then after that, yeah. Ties were cut. Yeah. That's that. But I think, it's hard to remember that coaches have like really one job that they're just trying to win baseball games and they don't, they don't. And that's the, that's the thing I realized too. It's the coaches care for you. And it's also like, it's also a business, right? College is one of those, it's a business. Yeah. I would say that, um, I've had, I've, I've had conversations with a number of major league players who have type one diabetes. And one of them told me something privately that is stuck with me forever. And and I don't remember the exact words, but the gist of the message was I am a tool that they paid for. And if I can't, ha- if I'm a hammer, that can't hammer a nail anymore, then they're going to throw me in the trash and get a new hammer. And he, the person was not like, wasn't a sad statement. It was just like, this is how this works. You, you know, there's not. Yeah, a lot. Once you get paid by it's in your investment now. Yeah. It's just, it's just how it is, I guess. Don't get me wrong. There's relationships, but at the end of the day, it's business. He said some of his best friends were made playing baseball, but he's also played baseball with people who he, you know, has no connection to whatsoever. They were just they were coworkers, 
just yeah. a strange thing when you watch it on television or you see it in person because you can't imagine that that's how it is. But it, but it makes sense. So you've made that that leap now, right? So, um, I guess this is where I want to ask you: How old are you right now? Twenty one, going on twenty two. How old were you when you were diagnosed with type one? Twenty. So a year. It's only been about a year. Just a little over. May twenty third was a year ago. Was there any indication through family lineage that type one existed in your life? So a bunch of people in my family have it. The thing was, is that, like, you know, all the symptoms like blurry vision, constant urination, um, constant fatigue and all that. Yeah. Like, it usually kind of catches up to you over months. But no, mine hit me like a train two and a half, three weeks. <laughs> didn't come on slowly. Huh? So you didn't have much of a honeymoon then. Your insulin needs went right to what they were. No. So that was like right before diagnosis. Oh, okay. But uh, I'm actually very low basal rate. Like I use 0.8. How much do you weigh? Like 0.8 of a unit. I am 205 to 200 pounds. Okay. How tall are you? 6'2". 6'2". Okay. So that's, I'm going to guess, is your activity. Like you work out every day. Oh, 100%. And uh, basal rate's really low. I mean, there's times where I like I'll eat and I have a lot of times I don't have to use a, like more than two units of insulin for a meal. To get, yeah, yeah. So, uh, because like my diet's not really carb heavy to begin with, right? And the thing is, I just don't snack on sugar either. Yeah, that makes it a lot easier. So a lot of people in your family, like aunts, uncles, grandparents, like that kind of deal. My uncle, both biological grandfathers, one of my biological grandmothers. Oh, wow. You were de- so, so. And my I, mom just got diagnosed with type two. So it's like you were definitely getting diabetes. So uh, <laughs> it's almost like a family gift they were passing down. But, um, but did you ever think about it? Like when you were growing up, did you ever think or just it hit you out of nowhere? It literally hit me out of nowhere. Um, I just thought like, I, like, I knew diabetes is hereditary. I mean, I've lived with my uncle for a little bit, too. Like, he lived with, he, let me rephrase that. He lived with us because, like, just the way the economy was in San Jose. Yeah. But, like, I got to see the highs and lows of it. And I knew it was hereditary, but I was like, I don't think I'll get it. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm doing everything a doctor tells you to do to not get it. Yeah, you're, you're about as, listen, my son, it, it, um, I think on his best day ever, hit about 91 and a half, okay? And he's 20, he's your age. So he's smaller than you probably by probably about 10 or 15 pounds and a couple of inches. Uh, so he's about six feet and he bounces around 190. He's trying to get more. But it doesn't matter in the end how hard you throw. If you're training to do a thing, I've watched him. It's fascinating. Like you probably could spend three hours a day working, right? At least. That's the least I spend. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the bare minimum. (laughs) I've seen his days go six hours in a gym. Like he'll recoveries and I don't know if you use plyo balls, like plyo balls and like all this stuff. And it's, it just, it's an immense amount of work. And I would imagine that it, it helps you with your insulin. As a matter of fact, we just got done doing, um, we just got done doing a, uh, a, a, we're doing a little series right now about variables of diabetes. And one of the things we talked about was quality of food. We talked about exercise, heat, you know, all that stuff. 
um, and, and how it impacts your insulin usage. So, all right. So you're diagnosed at, at the time you're diagnosed a year ago, was it your expectation that you might get drafted at that point? Uh, so last year it was more during the COVID shutdown and like, I was like, okay, I have another year. Mm-hmm. I mean, a year is plenty of time for me to get, get back, get in the shape, get the, like, COVID got me to be quite honest with you. That's how bad it was. I was like, I like taking a, sh- taking a shower was fatigue, like fatiguing. Oh, you, you cut out for a second. Did you cut out uh, when you were telling me you got COVID? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, so okay. I, I was like, wait, what happened? No, no. <laughs> so when I was diagnosed, it was like right in the midst of the COVID shutdown. Okay. It was two months into it. And like, like I lost 25, anywhere between 25 and 40 pounds in two and a half, three weeks. Wow. And I didn't realize what it was. So I'm like, so I go to the urgent care and I'm like, please tell me I got COVID. Like, that's going through my head. Like, I just hope I have COVID at this point. Right. And so the nurse is running all these tests. I lay down, she draws blood and my my breathing's been labored for those two and a half, three weeks. Yeah. And she goes, are you nervous? Not, not at all. Then it's like, okay, we'll speed up on these tests. Tests come back. She, she, she speed walks into the, the, the office. And I'm just like, so what do I have COVID? <laughs> like, please tell me I got COVID. Please. Yeah. Cause what do the other options feel like at that moment? Like that's a big weight loss cancer yeah like something like i was like i need something here like tell me what's going on yeah. and she goes well do you have any family in town i'm like closest family I have is in texas i'm in arkansas at this time too right and she goes well you need someone to get out here we're gonna ambulance you to the er I'm like well, what do i have and she goes we're 98 sure you're type 1 diabetic and we don't know how you're walking with these numbers i said wow. well what are the numbers she goes your a1's A1C is 13.7 and your blood sugar is 535 and going up. Wow. Scared? <laughs> you feel like a little boy in that no. moment? Or were you okay? No, no, no. So growing up, I used to always tell my mom, first one to get diabetes wins. I know it's a little it's a little da- jab. So I called my mom. I said, Hey mom, you know how you used to always say that growing up? She goes, Yeah, I said, Well, he raised a winner. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Make and, room goes, <laughs> and then she goes, Patrick Daniel. I'm like, no, but seriously, like. And then the ER, like we're going to the ER. One of y'all needs to get out here. I don't care who, just get out. Yeah, somebody <laughs> with the insurance card, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, okay. That's a lot. I, I want to know, and if it didn't happen, it's fine. But in any point during these next couple of days, do you have the conscious thought, but I can throw a baseball really fast. What the hell? Like I was on my way to something like that. Or did you just know, like, I'll get, it's okay. I'll pull this together and get back to it. My first question in the ER was when can I get out of here? Okay. First question to the nurse. Cause I was like, I was like, I need to get back. I need to get going. And when I was out of the hospital, I mean, no later than a week later, I was back to working out. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw that like the constant struggle of trying to find like, Hey, what works best for me? What my what blood sugar is going to work best? Um, but as soon as like I got out of the hospital, I mean, it was constant trial and error with the insulin, and uh, just trying to make it work with my workouts and stuff. Yeah. How quickly did you find technology like a pump or a CGM? Less than two months after. Okay. My endo, my endo was my endo really helped me out on that one. 
really helped me out on that one. Got it sped up for you a little bit. And... Yeah. So she she was one of the endocrinologists uh, that is like associated with the school because she's not the first diabetic athlete at Arkansas that she like I'm not the first that she's had. Mm-hmm. But she goes, I understand where you're at, and especially in your career, so we're going to get this sped up for you. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, no kidding. So, you know, when you and I um, messaged and originally, I asked you this question, but I'm going to ask it to you again. I guess I know the answer. But did when teams found out you had type 1, did it dissuade some of them from being interested? 100%. Yeah. Uh, that's what my uh, agent was telling me. He goes, you're going to get some of your money cut and it's just it's because you're diabetic right it's good because they're scared and they don't know what to what to make because because you're a liability yeah you become more of a risk i guess i mean prime example is garrett mitchell in last year's five round draft like he went 28th overall he was a type one diabetic he was a i believe he was a top type uh top five player in the nation yeah no, I, I, I watched him, too, and I was surprised. I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised, but it was still shocking to see him fall even as far as he did. And, I mean, obviously, being picked where he was picked is amazing. But, um, you know, when you're thinking you're up in those top few those top few choices, and, I mean, for, for clarity, right, like you get picked in the top few, it's a fair amount of money. It's, it's, it's enough money that if things go completely wrong, you go, huh, well, that didn't work out. <laughs> like, you know, like it's oh. – <laughs> You got, a, you got a bigger safety cushion than most. Right, right. It, it ends up being nice. And that money dwindles down. And plus, I see the teams. I mean, they were talking a lot this year about how the teams were taking players higher that they didn't think should be that high. So then they could nickel and dime them later. Like almost like, hey, you're lucky we took you here. We're not going to pay you as much money now. And then took the guys from the higher ones a little lower. Which I don't know a lot about that, but I, that was interesting even. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really like dive too deep on that i just saw a bunch of like guys i was like well like it kind of shocked me like how high they got like how high they were because i like i didn't recognize some of the names right i was like huh i don't know and then my first i was like i wonder what i wonder what he's gonna get yeah so are you for just being left-handed i guess for people who don't understand maybe i'll be wrong but you tell me throwing as hard as you do left-handed is fairly uncommon right well nowadays in baseball it's not like everyone throws 95 <laughs> everyone throws 95. <laughs> but being from the left side i mean it does it does have its benefits because right. 70 percent of pitchers are right-handed yeah so being that 30 being part of that other 30 that you could start and still throw that hard i mean it does help you out like longevity wise right have you ever been hurt seriously um, knock on wood. No, cool. I'll knock on wood for you. There you go. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I was, I mean, it's a, it's a reasonable question if you've been throwing. So does it ever, I don't know if you think of it this way, but the matriculation up to a professional athlete, so many things have to go right for you. But one of them is that your body can't give up on you. Like there are plenty of guys that can do it and their elbows explode or, you know, like something happens. And how do you think of that? I mean, I just think of it as, as randomness and luck, right? But is there a way you, you think about, like, being here? Is there, like, when you put your head on the pillow at night and you're like, I can't believe this happened? Like, could you? Actually, me and my, me and my buddy were actually talking about it last night. So he got picked up in the seventh round by the Angels. Mm-hmm. 
and like he went to our style with me he's from Northern California. And he go like as soon as we both got drafted, he snapped at me and goes, "Hey, pro pro baseball player." <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of the guys he talks to, like, because he works out with a bunch of pro guys, and they're like, "The moment you realize that, the moment you're not in awe anymore, is the moment it's over." Right. The excitement. So I'm like, I'm like, like he said that I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes, "You got to be a kid in the candy store the entire time. Like that's the passion you got to have for it." And I, I, I was telling my girlfriend last night, too, and I was like, I'm a professional baseball player. <laughs> uh, I'm going to want something better for my birthday this year. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to watch. So um, Cole went out to driveline for five weeks. And, mm-hmm. and for him, it was just one of those things where, you know, he's. I mean, he's obviously he's a little smaller than most people being. I know that sounds crazy to most people listening. Like my kid's six feet tall. He weighs 190 pounds. He's a little small. <laughs> and, you know, like it's a weird feeling. Um, but he's super athletic and he's never really been a pitcher. I think he's thrown a handful of innings in college and, and you know, and in high school. But he was mainly where we kind of started to figure it out. And it got put in the back of your head a little bit was in the um, the process that you probably didn't have to go through as much, which is trying to find a school to go play at. And you start showing up at all these their cattle calls for baseball players and you get there. And if there's 110 kids there, you can be damn sure 85 of them can't play baseball. Right. And you're, and you're just like, what is happening? Uh, but they'd get to the end and there would always be more hitters than pitchers. And they would come into the dugout and be like, look, can someone just throw to five or 10 more kids, we got to get out of here. And my son was just like, look, I'll do anything to get out of here. We've been here for three days now. I'm done. I'll, I'll do it. And then we would inevitably leave those things and someone would pull them aside and say, you know, you had the best velo today, but you're not listed as a pitcher. And my son would tell them just because I throw harder than those kids doesn't make me a pitcher. It makes them not a pitcher. And then he would kind of just leave. <laughs> um, but at some point you start realizing like, like if you want to keep playing, you'll follow any path that's even a like a, a dim possibility. And as a hitter, if you don't stand up there and just mindlessly hit like a truck, you know, it's kind of it's hard to get found. So my son has he has he has the worst best skill. He is a pro level outfielder. Like you drop him in center field in any game you've ever been in or any game you will play in. And you would think that person belongs there. Arm range. Like he's legit. Right. Um, (laughs) Just drop him in center and leave him there. Um, I've seen him throw. I saw Cole throw a kid out at third base without bouncing the ball from right center from the warning track. A kid trying to tag going second to third. And he caught the ball going over his shoulder, turned, planted his foot in the ground, and put the ball in the third baseman's glove. And like, <laughs> like that's that's his arm, right? So um, he heads out to do this thing. And I the reason I brought it up is because I saw – I went out with him for the first couple of days because it was across the country, and we didn't know where we were sending him. And I was like, I'll go help you get set up, and then I'll, I'll come home, you know? So I went in one day and there were guys that walked in there with their heads down and they looked like old men going to work. And then they would kind of mindlessly go through this, these exercises and then they'd put their head down and walk out again. And it made me think what you, what your buddy was telling you about kind of keeping a childlike joy about it because those guys clearly did not have that anymore. And uh, I, I, I hope that's something you can hold on to because I mean, there's nothing better if you can do this, you know? 
<laughs> I mean, this is something I like. I want to do ever since I could pick up a baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my son telling me when he was eight years old, uh, before I think he knew what college was, he said, I'm going to play baseball in college. And I was like, okay. And at that time, I wouldn't tell you he was even the 10th best baseball player on his baseball team. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's one of the smaller kids. And uh, I think for people who love playing, it, it, it's magical. And um, and I'm, I get sad when, I, when you see it. it. I mean, it's cool to watch people ascend so high, but it's weird to watch them when it turns into a job. Like I, that part, it's, it's just mindless work. And it's just one of those things is like, do you want to keep doing this or what's the, what's the whole deal here? Yeah. What's the plan? So do you, what's next? Like, do you go, do they put you on a team and you go play? Did they give you workouts? Like, how does it work after you're drafted? So just like I promised at the beginning, there's no ads. I'm just reminding you again that the show is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump, Gvoke Glucagon, Touched by Type 1, and the T1D Exchange. If you have any interest in any of those things, using my links is a big help and a big deal. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player, links at juiceboxpodcast.com, where you can type in the web addresses, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox, gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox, contournext.com forward slash juicebox, touchedbytype1.org t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. That's all I got for you. It's like, how does it work after you're drafted? So I'm still working out. Um, I haven't been home since Christmas. So actually later today, after I'm done with this, I'll be driving to Albuquerque to stay the night. And then for tomorrow, I'll drive from Albuquerque back home. Okay. I'm there for the, for the week. Then I fly out to Tampa on Saturday. <laughs> and then I'll be getting all acclimated to pro ball and all that. Okay. And then, and then do they put you, cause I was talking to a, I was talking to a scout last summer during COVID, um, who I only got to talk to cause my kid made some crazy catch and throw. And this man with a clipboard comes running across the field. Whose son is that? And I was like, finally. And of course it never, <laughs> it never, go, it never goes anywhere, but you're talking. I said, what are you doing with guys you're taking right now? And they said, we're giving them, um, uh, workout plans to do at home. And that's, that's all they had at that point. They're like, here, do this. <laughs> so, so th- that kind of brings up something that I want, I wanted to ask you about. So I don't imagine you listen to the podcast too much, but there's this, um, CDE that comes on, uh, her name is Jenny and she's had type one for over 30 years. And we talk about kind of nuts and bolts ideas about management that we talk about in the podcast. And she was telling me, I hope she doesn't mind. She was telling me a private story the other day where at one point in the past, she was brought on to a major league team to help a guy with type one. And Mm -hmm. the first thing that she realized when she got there, she told me was that she was astounded by how poorly they ate. Like the players, like the food that was like, and so I wonder, like, 
have you given thought to the fact that maybe you're going to have to be in charge of that for yourself? I've always been pretty good on how I eat. Like I'm like, if it's the only thing there, I'll eat it, but I don't mind spending a few extra dollars on something a little better. Mm-hmm. I got the airport. I won't go to like some of the fast food, fast food places in there unless I have to. Yeah. But like, if not, I'll go to like those little sandwich kiosks. I'll spend $12 on a sandwich. That's probably the size of my hand. It sounds a little crazy, but, but it's like, for you. I'd rather, I'd rather eat this. Cause one, it tastes a lot better right now. Yeah. And two, it's going to be better for me. Right. So you're going to have to keep doing that because the team's not going to put out like quality stuff. And, and you're not going to be one of those guys who's got like a, like a nutritionist and a chef walking around behind. Not yet. Yeah. Soon, Patrick. Soon. <laughs> so do you have a timeline? I'm be that. <laughs> Wait, say that. You froze. Um, say that again? You froze. Yeah. I didn't What's hear up? what you said. You said you're not going to be, or you want to. I'm not going to be that guy with a chef walking around. It's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'll bring my own food if I have to. I have no issue doing it. Good for you. Yeah, I just think you have to. Um, well, listen, maybe you'll find a different situation in Tampa, but um, you're going to have to look out for yourself. Like, is, is, the, is, the, is the message I got from her that if you were waiting for the team to put out a absolute, which is such a strange thing, right? Because guys are like, their bodies are the whole thing. But I guess it's expensive to put food out. And so it doesn't get done as well some places as others. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's, that's amazing. So you're going to have to take, are you, so you're going to go, you really don't, do you really even know what's about to happen to you? No, I mean, I just go to the field, do my physical. That's that. Uh, I, I sign at Tropicana, go back and get, get going. And get going, start throwing a baseball again. <laughs> Did you get a phone call from the team? How does it work when you're taken in a later round like that? But not so that I, still got, I, still got a phone, I still got a phone call. Um, it wasn't from the GM, it was from the Midwest Scout. So he's kind of in charge of like putting like my contract and um, getting everything situated. So he sent me, I, I got an email. It's like, Hey, this is what's going to be required. Like at the complex dress code, what you need to bring, what we're providing, how everything's going to work. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Um, and like the first question I asked him before, like he sent that out, I was like, Hey, how's the living going to work? He goes, Oh, at the complex. Uh, we'll put you up for like a hotel and then like on the road, I'm not sure. Like for like minor league, like where I would start out, I'm like, I'm not, he goes, I'm not hundred percent sure if it's a condo or a hotel, but let me get back to you on that one. Like, all right. Cause like, that's the big thing. Like, I just want to know like how to get everything set up. So I'm not walking into anything like yeah. blinded. You know, um, for a number of years in Trenton, New Jersey, um, the Yankees, uh, like Aaron Judge played there for a while. And mm-hmm. those guys lived with host families. Like, yeah, and I mean, because in San Jose, like we have the San Jose Giants mm-hmm. and they stay with host families. Yeah. I'm like, I would not mind staying with the host family at all. Yeah. Man, yes, at least they're kind and it's it's homey and, you know, they might cook. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because so do you think a guy that goes one who's, or, or I don't know, in the top 10, who's probably just cashed a $6 million check sometime in the last week. Like, like, do you think he's staying with everybody else? 100%. Cause usually those guys that go that high are not one, just talented, but two, like good people. Okay. Um, 
so just kind of seeing like because a lot of them are like like the like this year it was a lot more pitchers in the top 10 i believe mm-hmm. but i think like two of them were teammates in college right they, they knew so it's other. it's like you're used to being around other people and like you know how to like live on the road so it's more i i i don't think they get i wouldn't guess they get put anywhere else it's just you're you're another dude right now yeah like you go get after like you know how to when cole was in seattle and he's and he was out there for those few weeks i think he might have stayed in the house with 13 to 15 guys like they each had a room but they you know everything happened in one place and everything and i was like how'd you like it he's like it was fine like he just it was just a place to be before you went to work out and a place to come take a shower and eat afterwards and stuff like that it's really interesting yeah i should have that works like for me, like whenever I was on the road, it was always, all right, what time we got scouting report? All right, cool. Be up at this time, go to do that breakfast, scouting report, come back, sleep. All right, let's wake up. Let's, let's get rolling. I got to tell you, you guys, I'm going to generalize baseball players now are so interesting because they're either moving a hundred miles an hour or they're sitting completely still. <laughs> they're oh, 100%. Like, I don't disagree with you on that one. <laughs> I, I can watch my kid do something for six hours that I think like, I don't even know how anyone's doing that. And then it's back. There's that, that rush. You have to let that rush go through you. Like, you know what I mean? Like where you're kind of jacked up and then that goes away. And then that turns into, should I shower or eat shower or eat? And then one of them happens, then the other one happens. And, and then it's like absolutely sedentary after that. And, uh, trying to recover. So, like, sit on the couch, do nothing for like, few hours and just sleep yeah yeah exactly it's very uh it's taxing man it's a lot and you're not having any trouble doing it with your what what pump are you using i'm using the tandem x2 slim okay so so you're using control iq yes sir cool that's excellent so then that means you have the g6 yep yeah still waiting on the g7 to come out I am interviewing someone from dexcom on monday and we're going to go over all the new stuff that's happening with g7 I just need a release date. That's all I need. Yeah. Well, I ask them every time and every time they say that they're a publicly traded company and they can't say stuff like that out loud because if they don't meet their dates, it's a problem for their stock and blah, blah, blah. And so, um, but I think here's what I can tell you. If I'm talking to this person, it's getting closer because I interviewed the CEO a couple of weeks ago and he kind of did a high level overview. But if they're letting me talk to this person to get more details, then that means things are starting to speed up. So sick yeah I'm, I'm hoping for some time in this calendar year because i mean it's going to be way better for especially for active people right like it's just going to be lower profile and they'll have even less of a chance to get a compression low or to to bump it on something um let me ask you a little bit like i i don't know you obviously i i see you through instagram but you appear to have a steady girlfriend is that right yes sir yeah how did she handle the diabetes thing so she wasn't with me during it, I actually met her after. Um, I mean, cause, so like she'll joke all the time. She goes, "If you're too like, if you're like going into an episode, I'm not going to know what to do." I said, "If I'm going into an episode, it's because I'm going to be too low. Right. So just give me some sort of sugar." <laughs> and she goes, "I don't know if I'm gonna be, like if you're too high. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to stab you." I said, "You're going to have to." <laughs> Listen, this is part of the this is part of the contract. If we're going to date, you could um. There's a, they're a sponsor of the show, but Gvoke HypoPen is a a glucagon pen that works very similarly to. I feel like I have a 
sample here, but now I can't say it, um, to just like an EpiPen. So you just like click it and boom, and that's it. So if she was that worried, you could get one of those. And uh, that, because I, no, I, uh, I think anybody uh, could do that. No, when I was first starting those, uh, my endo gave me like the nose, like the sugar nose spray. Oh, um, I did. I can't remember the name of it. Bass something. It starts with a B, right? Bass. Yeah. But I literally just, I did it one time because I woke up at 35 after coming back from Ole Miss. And I didn't want to restart a sensor at that time. So I just overnight it and I woke up shaking. I said, all right, I need this. Let's try this. Let's figure this out. Did that make you think next time I'll put on a new sensor if it runs out? No, it's not just, it was a new sensor running out. I was like, I got in at midnight. I'm like, I'm not staying up till 2 a.m. to start this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I value sleep. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's 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 going to be interesting for you because you're living in a like a completely different world with diabetes than even a number of the guys that I've interviewed recently. I actually found the trainer pen. I can show it to you real quick. So this is obviously just a dummy that you pop mm-hmm. the cap off and just and that's it. Uh-huh. That's glucagon. So not crazy. So my daughter never used to carry glucagon, and then. Uh, I became aware of this and uh, we got it for her and now she carries it like before, you know, when the one with the red box and all that, like, she's like, what am I going to do with this? And she's like, what, my, my 16 year old friends are going to figure this out. She's like, they can't figure anything out. She's like, I'm going to put them in charge of this. And, um, but now, now that she has that, she carries it with her. Um, but yeah, I mean, so timing, I mean, this is all going to be a thing for you, right? Like you're going to be, I, you got to think that it's going to be, all right, I'm going to re-ask my question. I'm, I'm going to change in mid-sense. So you have a training regimen, right, that works for you. You get mm-hmm. there. Do you have an expectation that they're going to have ideas, or do you have an expectation that you're just going to keep doing what you're doing? Like, are you trying to add speed, or what is your focus now? Right now, I'm trying to add weight, because if I add weight, my velocity will go up, and I'll be able to maintain it longer. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, obviously, I need to eat. Like that's in order to gain weight gain weight you need to eat in a cal- calorie surplus yeah so i just feel like if i'm doing that everything will be a little easier i'm not i'm sure they had their ideas with me and obviously i kind of got to adhere to what they're going to what they have for me yeah, right. <laughs> so i'm it's, it's going to be a bunch of bouncing um ideas off one another and i'm i'm really excited for it because i'm uh back home at fresno one of the west coast guys for the race is actually one of the guys i work out with like he's a scout for him, so he kind of like. Shoot, Patrick, you froze. And said, "If I need anything, let him know." Oh. He'll, he'll be able to help you. Yeah, well, he'll be able to help me. So, I mean, right now it's just kind of gaining weight. What do you have? Any, what, do you have a go-to to gain weight? Because I know my son talks about like how hard it is to eat that much food sometimes. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. Um. Just a lot of chicken and rice. Chicken. Like I've been killing teriyaki chicken and rice and beef fried rice <laughs> that sounds like my house make more rice make more rice make more rice. <laughs> just keep but like when i when i needed to gain weight really fast it was a lot of mass gainer and creatine like i still do i still take creatine mm-hmm. but not as much as i used to okay is that like a shake or something you put into a drink so the uh, creatine is something you can mix with anything like i used to mix it with my gatorade it just makes it a little more salty mm-hmm that's what I got from it. But mass gainer is like a protein shake. It's just over 5,000 calories in a, in a shake. Wow. 
I know yeah. he was th- he was telling me the other day. He's like, I got to get something else. He's like, I can't keep eating all this because I think the thing people don't know is when you eat a lot of food, a lot of food comes out the other side too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not as much fun as it sounds like. Um, okay. Is there anything I'm not asking you that that you think I'm missing? Before we like, I'm not wrapping up right the second, but I want to make sure I'm not missing something. Is there like, do you have some amazing experience or something that's happened or something you'd like to share with people? Um, not, uh, it's just like the amount, like, I'm sure you've probably seen all social media. Like, I don't know if you followed, like, or saw Twitter. Like, I had two kids, like, one kid write me a letter, like, or like natural, like, or, uh, the news station did like a big deal about it. Like after the game, like I had a camera in my face with a bright light. I was like, this is, this is bright. Yeah. <laughs> like just, ju- just to meet the kid. Right. I mean, really great family. Really like the kid was down to earth. He, like you could tell he was nervous, but he was very well spoken for being that, how old he is. I don't think he's any older than 10. Wow. And another one, like I'm sure you saw, like I have type one, two Wickland is my hero. I'm sure you saw that sign somewhere. Yeah. And so I asked one of our news reporters to see if she could like reach out because I was like, I don't even know where to start to reach out to find this kid. <laughs> right, to say hello. Well, and, I, I would say that the thing you're doing right now, talking to me that you probably don't even realize, and I only know because I've spoken to so many people, is there's a calm matter-of-factness about you. Um, it's a, it's a blue-collar vibe, like just keep going, that kind of thing, that I think people will find comforting because this happens – uh, you know, somebody's diagnosed, it's a child or it's an adult. And and if you don't have that vibe, you could get sucked down a, a real crazy path, you know, out of nowhere, you can start panicking and worrying and stop doing things. I mean, you're as active as a human being can be. And, and you yeah. have type one, and you're doing, you're doing really well. So do you have any idea where your A1C is right now? Uh, last time I checked, it was 5.1. Yeah, uh, you're doing really well. So um, all we're really talking about here is an active, reasonably healthy lifestyle, right? I mean, I'm do like I'm. I feel like I'm doing everything a doctor tells you to do to yeah. try to avoid to try to avoid getting diabetes. Yeah, and, yeah. The, the idea of like this is a healthy way to live, and yeah, yeah. What anybody would and, tell anybody, right? And it's just like another thing. Like I just like the first few weeks it was hard for me because I was like, this sucks. I really like it's something like I'm not like didn't really want to take care of half the time. <laughs> like when I woke up with a low, I'm like, I really don't want to get up. Yeah. Like my guys come and go off. I'm like, this is going to piss me off. <laughs> but then, I mean, actually being diagnosed is probably like, I've told scouts this. Um, it's been a blessing in disguise. Um, knock on wood, I haven't had any setbacks. Just everything weight room, weight room wise, baseball wise has gone nothing but up my numbers are up off the field has been so much better just because it's just like it's literally i got something to pay attention to that's literally life or death yeah it helps you focus i think i was just telling cole last night some of the healthiest people i've ever met in my life have diabetes because they're so aware of themselves Mm -hmm. you know they're aware of what they're eating they're aware of what they're doing these things that most people who don't have health issues get to pretend I'm going to live forever and you can just do whatever you want. Right. And when you suddenly realize like, if I don't do the right thing today, it's going to adversely impact me today. And maybe down the road, it can give you like a real clarity and, uh, and make you feel like paying attention to your own health is important. 
And I imagine you're finding that the closer attention you pay to some of the things, the easier the day goes. And on top of that, it's just not, it's because I'm very routine driven. I'm sure you, you've seen that with your son, like baseball players are very routine driven. Yeah. <laughs> Being able to like stick to a routine and keep it. It's, it's not only made my life easier, it's made everything else I do easier. Mm-hmm. How are you making out with the heat? Like in the set, is it harder playing in a hot, like humid climate? So when I play, I don't shoot down. The adrenaline actually shoots me up. Okay. So during the game, I'll have like the control IQ going. It's like after each inning, I check it. I check my pump and it's like, oh, you're at 98 with a downhood, down, uh, downside air. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's chug some Gatorade. And it's usually the Gatorade that's mixed in. So it's really sugary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be great. Um, Sam Fold is the GM of the Phillies now, but he's been on a couple of times and he, and you know, had diabetes a long time ago. So he's, he would say, if you see old tape of me and I'm in center field chewing gum, I thought I was getting low. And if I'm chewing seeds, I thought I was okay. <laughs> like it was just sort of like that easy, you know? Um, I, I think that's, it, it's funny because you're going to find as you get, as you, you know, blossom in this, people with diabetes are going to come to you and they're going to want to know your secret because they're going to think there's a secret. And I'm here to tell them that I've interviewed a lot of athletes and they don't have a secret that you don't have. Like they're just oh, living no. their life too. I just, I just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> just don't stop, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. So, all right, well, I, I mean, I can't thank you enough for doing this. this is really cool. <laughs> I want to wish you a ton of luck. Um, Tampa sounds like a nice place to live. So hopefully, you I'm, make I'm looking, it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun to get going. If everything goes right for you. And I just mean like there's no setbacks and your progress happens where it happens. When do you think you'd be ready to pitch in a pro game? How many years do you think it takes? No more than like major leagues. Yeah. Like, more than, no more than three. Okay. I just think that's surprising for people like to know that, you know what I mean? Cause football, you get drafted and they're like, listen, go home, pack your stuff up, get back out here and go try to sack somebody because it's a different, it's a different pathway, you know? Yeah. Same with basketball. And right. that's, that's one thing a lot of people like, they're like, Oh, like in the minors, like, I'm like, yeah, I'll be in the minors. I gotta, like, yeah. if you watch major league pitchers, everything they do is very methodical. It's perfect sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I barely know what I'm going to eat for breakfast or dinner that night. <laughs> You got things to figure out still. I'll tell you that I'm a proponent um, because I've seen baseball from the side of somebody playing it that um, when you're watching a baseball game and you're watching a pitcher and they're and they're just sucking, that's still one of the best baseball pitchers in the whole world right there. You, You know, like that's that that's something to keep in mind that if you stood up there as a regular person. And the worst major league baseball pitcher threw a pitch to you, you'd cry <laughs> and, and, you know, it would be frightening and you would cry and go away. Uh, and you would probably swing the bat a full second and a half after the catcher caught the ball. Like it just, it's crazy. What, what yeah. Happens. Like you see people like absolutely dogging on someone who's given up like four or five runs. I'm like, he's in the big leagues. Yeah. It's hard. He's doing something right. Yeah, those guys can hit too, by the way. Um, yeah. It turns into a real, um, it's a game of perfection. Like I think of baseball, like progress is, I used to tell my son, you know, I'm like, look, the, when he was really thinking about like, I want to play in college, 
and he was still small. Like he recruited, like this will mean something to you. I think my son recruited at like five nine, one hundred and fifty pounds, right? And he's six feet one ninety now. He just grew late, and so it wasn't okay, uh, you know, for what he was trying to accomplish. His skills were there. We'd go to these things, and I, I remember in Georgia, um, the scout from North Carolina came up to me and was like, "Hey, your kid's got a ton of skill. I wish he was bigger." And I was like. That doesn't make anybody happy to say, don't say that, please. You, you know, but like that was the vibe. And, and so when I'm trying to make yeah. it feel better about it, I said, look, man, the year you started playing Little League when you were five, four million American boys started playing Little League baseball. And this year, 9,000 of them are going to go play in college. I was like, you just got to keep going. Like you just go wherever they'll take you and maybe you'll grow and maybe you won't and you'll find out, you know, Um but you're up at the top now. There's very little left to hold on to, man. It's, it's just you and I mean, how many how many minor league baseball players, major yeah, league maybe, baseball players are there? There's a thousand MLB players, like a thousand guys on a major league roster yeah. each and every year. Right. That's that four million know. kids down to a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> and man, and they're all different ages. They're not even out of the same four million. Like the odds there get like I'm not good at math, but you know, once you're in this situation, the situation you're in right now is statistically improbable. Yeah. Um, and not just am I not only competing against other guys in this country, I'm competing internationally. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, are you kidding me? Like, it, it, uh, sometimes you watch baseball and you're like, there seems like there's an endless, like, supply of people who who weren't born in America, didn't go to college in America, didn't play baseball in America. And you're like, they're the, you're competing with them. You're competing with other guy i mean that's why i think being in the minors from college i think it's a big deal it really is because it, it, there are other countries where they would have like saw you at 15 taking you out of school and said throw this baseball and if your arm doesn't blow up we're going to see if we can't get you a job one day like you you still had to live a life and go to school and hang out at the mall and stuff like that you know what i mean yeah no but like, i, I t- no i totally get why the international people sign so early like i get it all right um i've seen it firsthand it's just it's it's the way they live yeah no they, i understand like, it and they love playing baseball too yeah so they that's why they play every second like they're the number one guy on the team like i love it i love the flair it's hilarious no nah, nah, nah. I, I it's good for baseball too by the way a couple of years ago when they tried to that like pr campaign about having fun i thought that's a good idea because, you know, it's not 1950 and I don't expect these guys to all walk around like, you know, they're super serious. And they hit the ball and then they just wander around. The, it's it's fun watching those guys have a good time while they're playing. It's it's good for the sport. But I will yeah. say this. I think. I think that changing baseball for a market that wants the game to go faster is not a great idea. Like, I think baseball is great for people who love baseball. You shouldn't make it something else because then I don't know that I would like it. That makes sense. Yeah, um, I see your view. It's just one of those things. It's like they're trying to get grow the game. Yeah, but like you see, like before everything happened with Trevor, like you, like if you watched his vlogs, that's what got me through COVID. Just that <laughs> excitement. Yeah, it's just yeah. like this is the inside life of a baseball player for the Reds. Right. And it was like one of those things, this is really cool to watch, like his whole channel that he started. It was just like when I couldn't do it, I could watch it. (laughs) 
No, I, I, I just think I think sometimes baseball games take four hours, and too bad if you don't like it. And <laughs> twice a year, the backup left fielder is going to be pitching in the fifteenth inning, and too bad if you don't like yeah. it. Like that's the game, you know. So. Like when position players pitch, is the best thing in the world, especially in Major League Baseball. So funny. Uh, a couple of years ago, Velasquez had to come in and play left field for the Phillies. And he made some crazy catch and then threw a guy out at home. <laughs> I was like, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, like, like I, that, that was, that was the, probably the only thing I remember from that year. And that's the thing they want to get rid of. And I'm like, no, like there's something about it. Listen, if you ever tried to hit a fastball or you ever tried to throw one past somebody, you would know that when it's 95 degrees outside and there's sweat rolling down your back and you can't kind of find the spot where your foot fits that you need a second before you're going to throw this ball. Because if you throw it wrong, that it's, something bad is going to happen in a second. And it's and guys got to be able to step out of the box and tighten their gloves again. And that might seem silly to you, but there's a way that bat feels in their hand, you know, and they, they need it to be like that before they swing. And I don't know, there's something about it I find kind of poetic and I like it, so... Anyway, I hope it's that way. I hope you play forever, and I hope it's that way. I hope, moreover, that um, you might come back and do this again sometime, because it would be interesting to see how your yeah, experience I would love grows. Yeah, and I would love to. Um, when you first message me, message me, you go, "Yeah, I'm on it, like, uh, like host of like one of the biggest diabetic podcasts." I'm like, so I had to go, like go look at it. I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> Like just the amount of episodes, the amount of listens. I'm like, I'm scrolling through Spotify. I'm like, wow. Yeah, there's a lot there. I I know. I said I said something like, um, because you have to try to imagine if you're me, you're reaching out to a person you don't know. In most expectations, I had that in a couple of weeks from then you're going to get drafted, and I'm like, you know, can you come on my diabetes podcast? Which is a it's a it's a weird thing to say out loud. So I, I think I gave you some stats about the podcast, and I said, I know that's a weird flex. <laughs> you don't hear a lot of people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, don't hear, you don't hear a lot of people going, may I tell you about the downloads on my diabetes podcast? <laughs> but um, I just wanted you to know you wouldn't be wasting your time, that people would hear you, you know? No, like, I appreciate it. And that's not, some, that's not a weird flex. Like, hey, I'd be typing that every, every message. <laughs> <laughs> See, I need to hang out with more guys like you. You're like, yeah, tell people. Uh, I would, if I was you, I would write how fast I threw on my forehead in a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> so as I approached people, they were aware of it. Hey, huge thanks to Patrick for coming on the show and sharing all of that. And I want to wish him a ton of success in Major League Baseball. If you'd like to follow Patrick, he's on Instagram. And his handle is at Patrick Wicklander. It's spelled just like it sounds. Give him a follow. Cheer him on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Don't forget the sponsors. If you need them, use my links. That'd be terrific. If you're listening right now for the first time, subscribe in your podcast app or follow in your podcast app. Some of them use different words. If you're having trouble finding a podcast app, there's a bunch of links at juiceboxpodcast.com.